0: Welcome to Streaming Wisdom, a place to discover your very own wisdom being activated through my storytelling. Just like me, you weren't made to fit into this consensus reality that you've quietly doubted your whole life because you are destined to pioneer a new one, shoulder to shoulder with many of us. And it's an auspicious time for humankind right now. So let's find each other and lead the way from our hearts and from the frequencies of real love, true power and wisdom. Consider me a friendly voice by your side, encouraging you as you continue to liberate yourself, express your genius in the world and fulfill your original intention. I hope you're as delighted as I am and have found yourself a cozy corner to relish in this episode of Streaming Wisdom. Welcome back. I'm Julia McEwen, and I'm really happy to be back after a break from regular streaming. I really miss this, (laughs) but I couldn't really direct my energy here, even if I wanted to, because I was in the midst of a very creative time it was a birthing process and i often find that when i initiate something new most of my energy every day gets redirected into my new creation at least until that engine is up and running which it is (laughs) and only then can i continue tending to my existing creations like the true classic multi-passionate that i am And everyone else out there who is a multi-passionate, you will know exactly what I mean. And underneath all of that is a part of me who actually avoided streaming about this topic. Unconsciously, of course, because I truly love it. (laughs) But in hindsight, I didn't believe that I had the natural authority to speak about it, which is kind of crazy because I've been on a huge journey And whilst I'm no expert, biohacker or citizen scientist, I have much embodied wisdom to share. I can provide inspiration through a real story that means something that's translatable, relatable and can encourage you to seek further about the most underrated and overlooked health topic that has a profound influence on your wellness, vitality, pain definitely pain, (laughs) mobility, your energy levels, your emotional management and ability to regenerate as you age. This is called fascia which is an endlessly fascinating topic and day by day it's becoming more popular, more well-known, more studied, more spoken about, more the center point of lots of health tools and products and to me, a closer friend and even bigger teacher. It is a highly intelligent major system of the body and as such has massive implications on your body. My fascia journey has been a fascinating one and very much multidimensional because fascia has relevance in so many fields, the esoteric, the physical realms, the electric, the energetic, and emotional. It's connected to the waters of us and I believe this planet as well as our primal nervous system responses and even plays a huge role in managing our emotions and trauma. Oh my gosh, only the core wounds of every person in earth. That's massive and I truly believe that if everyone tended to their fascia we would have a monumental awakening in personal transformation, health, physical and emotional well-being, and even relationships. And in truth, we actually are having a monumental awakening in all of those things, but I guess I'm saying much more so. So for me, fascia is one of those, let me shout it from the rooftops type of topics because I know the vast potential and I want people, I want you to be really happy, healthy, mobile, and free in your mind and body which is kind of the same thing, but that's another topic. Thriving is our natural state. And when I catch my own thoughts rolling by, I seem to spend a lot of time daydreaming about how the people I love can have a better life, feel healthy, happy, and live in a better world. And I've been doing this for as long as I can remember. (laughs) In my eyes, what's required of this is each person living to their true nature rather than their wounds or programming as well as achieving mastery through their unique gifts by expressing their genius and fulfilling their original intention for being here that's their sacred agreement with earth well that epic level of human comes from wholeness from alchemizing their wounds from acting from their true nature can you imagine a world where everyone is fulfilling this I can. <laughs> that vision moves me every single day and I will journey into every rabbit hole I'm drawn to that brings me closer to my true nature and the body, particularly the fascia, is a huge deep dive. At least it was for me. There is no freedom when you're acting and behaving from condition responses programmed by your own trauma, your fears and experiences. My journey into the realm of fascia showed me that it plays a huge role in unraveling this, in bringing awareness to conditioned and automated behavior and helping complete the cycle of trauma. Something else that fascinates me is that fascia is mostly water, I guess, because we're mostly water and (laughs) a big proportion of us is fascia. And I'm not the only one who suspects that water is a medium for consciousness and that it's highly programmable through memory. You are mostly water. You are programmable. So what are you programmed to do? And what are you programmed not to do? To think and to feel. Yep, the journey into your fascia is a discovery of your truth beyond your conditioning that was both self-imposed and pushed onto you by external entities, particularly when you were very young. And as a giant side bonus, when you apply certain physical techniques to your fascia, which I will eagerly share, you can greatly improve chronic pain, health, wellness, and your journey through life as you age. I think the world we live in that we have all co-created is many things. But among them a breeding ground for toxins, addictions, malnutrition, wounding, trauma and sedentary living, which all affects your fascia. And once upon a time, we probably didn't need to do things like detox, fast, exercise, (laughs) eat well, take our shoes off to ground, avoid chemicals and dirty electrical pollution and da-da-da-da... Tend to our fascia. (laughs) But now many of these things have become necessary for our health and well-being, especially the fascia. This is due to the nature of the environment that we live in and how we are expected to participate in that environment. Now, if you've tuned into the last two episodes on foundational health, wow, that was big. (laughs) Where I said that it's not enough to get the basics to maintain health and wellness anymore. That we live in a very different world and need to actively engage in activities that support our body's needs. Well, working with the fascia is a perfect example of this. So to be crystal clear, I recommend doing this in conjunction with foundational health, which is in my experience, the true origin of health and how we maintain health and wellness. For me, fascia was the missing link in my ongoing chronic pain, fatigue, and a whole host of other physical issues and how these affected my mentality and emotional states. They say, if you have your health, you have everything. And my goodness, when you don't have your health for days, months, years, decades, it saturates your whole life, especially your mental and emotional wellness. I'm pretty sure that anyone at least past the age of 30 can attest to that in this day and age where there is so much going on, so many contributing factors firing at us all the time that contribute to poor health. And if you did tune in to previous episodes, you will know that for many years I was in chronic pain and extreme discomfort most of the time. Sometimes I would wake in the middle of the night to a throbbing, stabbing-like pain in my knee that was so intense it would pull me right out of sleep. Waking up to that pain rushing back in every morning when I, I guess, come back to my body (laughs) was not fun as well. And it wasn't like this all the time. Sometimes I got total reprieve for days, weeks, and if I was really lucky, months. And goodness, did I become a busy, active body during those months. I did all the things that I could never do before. But in my early 30s, those times of reprieve that were already few and far between seemed to lessen with age. I had ongoing severe sciatica as well as lower back pain, knee and hip pain. It was mostly a throbbing dull ache and when it became hmm i would say angry (laughs) it turned or maybe i became angry who knows but the pain turned into a nervy stabbing pain that would shoot up and down the lower half of my body mostly on the right and weirdly enough sometimes it would just switch for like weeks crazy just to the left and then back to the right again it was relentless and worsened with any sort of physical activity that by the end of my chronic pain journey I found myself incredibly limited to only very light, short walks, less than a kilometer or so on the beach and a little bit of low impact dancing around the house. At my worst, of course, (laughs) I went on much longer bushwalks when I felt better, but I often paid for it with exactly what I just described. And I just kept looping between these different states. Oh, and I also did yoga, but pretty much that was what I lived on for my exercise. But in my darkest hours, I regularly fantasized about not being here. I certainly didn't think of ways to kill myself or end my life, but oh man, was I elsewhere. (laughs) I just was always trying to hope that someday something would happen and I'd naturally be taken out of this life, out of my body, because I decided that living wasn't really worth it. Why live in a body if I'm always in pain and I'm confined to a very limited lifestyle? which would probably be not so bad if I liked doing nothing. But that's not me. I loved being active. I grew up running, doing triathlons in a very healthy family that really, I'd say, prioritized exercise and health and wellness. And I started going to the gym early. I did lots of weights and aerobics classes. (laughs) I'm just laughing because I'm remembering how I used to do aerobics routines that my mum would teach to myself and my friends and we'd go and perform them in these 80s leotards with like scrunched up stockings. And I loved activity. I loved dancing. I did jazz ballet for a little bit as well. And I relied heavily on exercise for my happiness to release endorphins and a sedentary lifestyle was just not for me. But back to my darkest hours... I was confronted by my future because the pain was only getting worse at a speed that kind of terrified me at times. I often saw my timeline stretched out in front of me, which threatened me with multiple hip and knee replacements and becoming a much lessened version of myself with every year that went by. I'd been in severe pain that had been worsening over the decade And I'd adopted the belief that it was impossible for me to live pain-free. Somewhere along the way, I don't know when, I stopped believing that I would get better. Like many others, I spent all that time on a wild goose chase, exploring every long-term pain solution available to me. I studied many different healing modalities, crystal dreaming, an epic form of multi-life regression, mind-body medicine at college, Essential oils at home and flower essences, just to name a few. I attended short courses, read books, saw naturopaths, I took herbs and supplements, I changed my diet, went on heavy metal detoxes, I fasted, I did lots of body work in the form of physiotherapy, acupuncture, dawn spinal therapy, remedial massage, bioresonance, bowen therapy, (laughs) reflexology. And I put myself through years of inner work in the form of healing meditations, 40 day practices that were, I'm going to say, kind of insane. <laughs> we're getting up at 4 a.m. for 40 days straight and chanting mantras and, oh my goodness, lots of things. I did soul agreement closure. I tried medicines such as Cambo and Harpe. I did plenty of those. I had plenty of life coaching as well. And I've lost track, <laughs> but basically, All those things helped me greatly. Oh, I'm forever grateful. And in many cases, they made my pain go away entirely sometimes for even extended periods of time. But the issue was the pain always came back with the same force, I would say sometimes with a vengeance. I used to get a little bit angry about all the money, time, energy and hope, oh, so much hope that I'd invested in over and over again, wanting the very next thing to be the one thing that takes my fucking pain away. (laughs) But yeah, those were in my, yeah, again, darkest hours because I could see the incredible benefit that all of those things brought to my life, especially with healing my trauma and my relationships. But for some reason, the pain always came back. And underneath all of that... I hid a big dark secret so well, I even hid it from myself. And that was, I resented my body and my symptoms. And I was angry with the cards I was dealt this lifetime. It felt cruel and unfair and I resisted my reality. I didn't really want to even face my pain, let alone accept it. I just wanted it to go away. And the more I resisted it, the more it persisted. I had no idea that I needed the courage to truly face myself and all of my pain in order to move beyond it. And among many other wonderful things, the specific type of fascia techniques I learned from the Kinetics Academy played a huge role in this process. Once I finally sat with my body, with my fascia, I had no escape. I had to face my pain. And I strongly feel that if anyone wants to truly move beyond their pain, they first need to face it, not avoid it, resist it or numb it with painkillers, but be present to it and to face their fear of it, to move through it and beyond. Another quick fix is only temporary and it keeps covering up the real issue. And the real issue is the root of chronic pain is buried in layer after layer of emotional, energetic, physical, and esoteric issues, and then some. It's actually pretty complex in my experience. And I don't want to overwhelm you, and I don't want to overwhelm anyone by saying that it's complex, but it's true. (laughs) It's really complex, but it's also in some really ironic ways, kind of simple how we move beyond it. It's just that, well, I tell you what, they seem simple when I say them, but doing them is another thing. There are so many things contributing to chronic pain and each gets addressed along the road to experiencing true freedom in your body. So what that means is it is actually a beautiful journey because so much unravels issues that you find within you about how you deal with life and your relationships and your boundaries like this and how you express yourself or whether you self-censor yourself and what you give permission to enter into your life it's really a huge complex journey but so rewarding (laughs) so i hope i haven't turned you off so how did i get there Well, the importance of fascia came in and out of my awareness for a number of years, but it wasn't until a friend sent me a video about the fascia system that I suddenly felt a spark of energy inside, like a brand-new idea. Out of nowhere, without any prior knowledge, I just said to myself, what if my fascia was the major cause of my chronic pain, rather than my muscles, joints, nerves, my mind, or even my structural skeletal makeup. I never really considered that as a possibility until that day. What if all this time it was actually the state of my fascia? That idea popped in so quickly and sparked instant action that I knew I was being guided by my true source essence, not my fear, not my need to fix something or solve something. I exited the video immediately and typed, fascia plus chronic pain into YouTube. I soon found a video titled fascia and the mystery of chronic pain by Dana Sterling showing how our fascial system is severely underappreciated when treating someone for chronic pain and injuries. According to this presenter fascia has 10 times more sensory receptors than muscle tissue So pain and soreness in the muscles, well, seemingly the muscles, may actually be sore fascia. She went on to say that fascia doesn't appear on any CT scans, X-rays, MRIs, meaning that people are given diagnoses and recommended life-altering, irreversible surgery, like fusing the spine for chronic pain, joint and spinal issues, without any knowledge of the state of the fascia the most important system driving the experience of pain. So I think it's time we look at the fascia before we start opening people up with knives and making changes. I had one of those classic jaw-dropping moments where I just can't believe how much new information is available about the body, yet old, expensive, invasive practices continue on that will one day be called inhumane and barbaric. Now, I'm not poo-pooing surgery. (laughs) I just want to make that clear. I'm just saying that it's used too often when it shouldn't be for situations where it can be totally avoided. Then Dana went on to share a story about a woman that seemed physically much worse off than me with regards to her chronic pain and immobility. She too had become extremely limited in her activities, but through myofascial release, she completely reversed her situation. And went on to ride horses, which is so physical, and continue other activities that she loved. I was frozen in time, so quiet, so still, and equally moved. (sighs) For the first time in ages, I felt real hope, not displaced, not delusional, real, authentic hope. If she could heal and get out of pain, do the activities that she loves, so could I and nothing will get in my way of achieving this. I made a new decision, and that was the day that I believed I could get better. Up until then, I had no belief in myself, but listening to a stranger talk online, I felt that somehow she believed in me as she exuded a possibility for us all to course correct, and that was all I needed to hear. Over the next two and a half years, I journeyed with my fascia. And I still am, of course, <laughs> it never ends. I seek support from a local rolfer who specializes in the art of movement and simultaneously invested a huge amount of time learning a unique form of fascia release online. And these practices combined shifted everything. It was actually an incredible combination because the fascia helped me get out of pain and heal and regenerate my body whilst diving into the art of movement I learned the natural ways for me to sit, stand, walk, to move in relationship to my environment, to the earth, to the law of density or gravity, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> and how I do this without correcting myself or holding myself up or putting lots of strain and effort. What she helped me do was break my habits that helped me get into the very place that I would found myself in, the habits that raveled me up into this tight ball of adhesed fascia. (laughs) So it was a wonderful recipe for not only healing and regenerating and getting out of pain, but also maintaining that. Before I go there, I want to share about what I began to learn about the fascia along the way because I found it so fascinating. (laughs) So what is fascia? I will not pretend to know all or even just a bit, a tiny bit about this mysterious rabbit hole that keeps going and going. Fascia is truly one of those infinite topics that the more you begin to know, the more you realize you don't know as you peer around every corner. As far as I can tell, it's a very intelligent sensory organ. And in its more simplest or I guess medical terms, it's a rich casing of connective tissue made of water, collagen and cells that weaves through your body like an all-encompassing dimensional spiderweb, which is home to your extracellular matrix. It's a giant cell membrane interconnecting with all other cell membranes. So imagine it weaving, it deeply envelopes and penetrates, supports and interacts with every single cell, organ, muscle, blood vessel, nerve fiber, and bone in your body. And this white connective tissue eventually turns into your tendons and ligaments, which you may be familiar with from anatomical drawings. It provides cushioning, packaging, and is the largest sensory organ in the body It's home to 250 million nerve endings per adult. As you might imagine, this has huge implications on your physical pain, especially when considering that the fascia is also our body's natural shock absorber. It's the largest organ in your body, physically enabling your shape and posture. That's another thing that blew my mind. So rather than the skeletal system, which I once believed was responsible for holding me upright, but if you took away the fascia, your bones would collapse on a heap in the ground, as most of them don't even touch one another. Its physical function, in its most simplest and obvious terms, is to ensure everything in your body, every cell, is in its proper place, as well as allowing movement of your muscles to move independently lighting alongside one another because it's in direct contact with every part of your body. So much is dependent on fascia. It literally influences your ability to move with ease, respond to danger and act independent of the central nervous system. If needed, like, wow, <laughs> that's amazing to breathe deeply and circulate blood and oxygen hydrate your cells and exchange vital nutrients, communicate between your body and the brain, heal and regenerate after injury or stress, recover from exercise, digest food effectively, remove waste and toxins, contend with your emotions, stress and trauma, and regenerate as you age. As you can see, so much depends on the state of your fascia And the difference between unhealthy fascia and healthy fascia is synonymous to restriction versus flow, immobility versus mobility and freedom, pain versus comfort and freedom, (laughs) and premature death versus natural aging, a concept I discussed earlier on in this season. And I see the body as a series of tubes that are responsible for sending and receiving. Whether that be blood, oxygen, energy or chi; food, water, nutrients, waste, toxins, chemicals, messages. If your body experiences a restriction in any of these tubes <laughs> to allow these vital processes to continue, it will likely lead to disease eventually and I guess death. And this is where the fascia comes in. Because the health of your fascia determines the level of flow and circulation occurring for all of your vital processes to take place. Grrr, what happened to our fascia? (laughs) That's pretty much what goes on inside of my head. I'm like, how does it get this bad? (laughs) And I'm guessing you may be a little curious to know as well. Well, going all the way back to when you were a baby, you were born with healthy fascia that was incredibly fluid, supple, and hydrated, with such a high water content that as a baby you could sit up and seemingly hold your very large head over your tiny, tiny shoulders without a fully formed skeleton and muscle system. You were mostly water. And you were in right relationship with your body and environment. But that's another rabbit hole I intend to share about later on in this season. I just wanted to share that it's not just about the water, but it plays a big part. Now, as a child, you explored your physical world and probably found that your body was more flexible and mobile than it is today. And hurting yourself is a very different experience because you've lost the integrity of your natural shock absorber your fascia. So imagine falling on your tailbone. Ouch! (laughs) That hurts. I think it would hurt anybody, even a young child. But if your fascia is really fluid and supple, the shock just goes throughout your body. I know that noise doesn't mean much. I did a hand action. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like um, a ripple. It goes throughout your whole body and, and it actually absorbs the shock of that fall. But later in life, as your fascia becomes really adhesed and dehydrated and there's not much fluidity, when you go to land in the same spot, the pain and the pressure of that fall gets, I guess, minimized to that area, to the, well, as much as the surface area as the fluid can travel, which is going to be a lot less. So it hurts so much more. So I hope that's painted a picture of what that's like. Now, as you grew up and engage with your environment, you began to shape your fascia with your habits, your physical, mental, and emotional habits. Fascia is intelligent and it learns from you. You literally trained and molded your fascia by your thoughts, feelings, and your actions. Consider the sports you played or how you exercise and all the repetitive actions. Consider the way you walk, run, or how you get up and down off the floor or if you can, (laughs) or how you get in and out of bed, um, how you sit in your office chair, how you get in and out of the car, and what position you're in when you're driving. What about when you pick up a small child or a baby? Do you pop them on the same hip every time and hold them with the same arm? Are you doing the exact same thing when you carry your laundry basket to the line? It's how you stand when you're waiting in line or in conversation, or as you're cooking or brushing your teeth and it's how you sleep. It's all habit. Now to add to that, consider what you mostly think and feel about on a daily basis, along with your diet and lifestyle habits. This accrued over a lifetime gives you your unique shape and the state of your fascia as it is this very day. Basically your fascia mimics your behaviors. It weakens in some areas and hardens in others due to stress, contraction, injury, training, surgery, and repetition, including all stationary positions. (laughs) Must say that (laughs) with emphasis, such as sitting at your desk all day or driving for hours on end. This causes immobility, pain, and joint issues whilst increasing the chance of tears and other injuries down the track. How else did your fascia get this way? Your diet and lifestyle plays a huge role. Anything, especially poisons, toxins and EMS that impact hydration levels, energy, mitochondria or your sleep will in turn affect your fascia. In addition, you lose intracellular water content as you age, starting with almost 80% as a newborn baby. You lose a significant amount in the first year of life. And this slowly decreases over time, all the way down to just 50% as an elderly person. And of course, these are averages. Whilst confronting, I really like the relevance of this image. Imagine your fascia is like a wetsuit and you've been in the water and now you're outside and it's dehydrating and shrinking as it dries on you slowly over time, molding to your shape, your habits, repetitive actions, underuse, overuse, and your trauma, stress, and anxiety. For someone like me, my fascia wetsuit was strangling me slowly to a point where my bodily functions slowed and it put pressure on my digestion, circulation, lymphatic system to remove toxins and waste, and especially my nerves and muscles as it pulled them in all different directions. I ached with all types of pain, nerve pain, stabbing pain, dull aches, throbbing, tender to the touch, you name it. When I realized that my fascia was unhealthy, I was filled with excitement and hope because for the first time, I could actually pinpoint my issue. Oh my goodness, it really was one of those moments where I know I stumbled on a truth, a truth about me, about my body, and the state that I was in. Instead of going to a body worker who often ummed and and made strange sounds of disapproval when my body didn't respond to the treatment, I now knew why. They couldn't really help me. Truly only I could. And I embarked on a quest to transform my fascia. At this point, I was in so much physical pain that most of my days were spent lying horizontal on the couch. So I had nothing to do, nowhere to go. I may as well jump on my mat and learn how to release and hydrate my fascia. Every day, or well, nearly every day, for weeks, I spent hours rolling around in awkward positions facing my pain. And I actually found it kind of relieving to compress my fascia. For when I focused on one area of my body, it dulled my pain everywhere else <laughs> and increased it dramatically to that one area, But just to like flick a switch and turn the pain off everywhere else, it was always shooting, was like a holiday. (laughs) And the pain that was radiating from the compressed area was actually a much nicer version than what I'd been experiencing. Mostly it was the hurt so good type of pain where you know you're doing something really good for your body. If you've ever received really nice body work, like a great remedial massage or something in the past, and it kind of hurts and you're like, oh, that's so good. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm talking about. And I have to admit, it was not always the hurt so good type of pain, especially doing my IT band (laughs) and many other areas, but that one in particular But shearing my fascial adhesions soon woke me up to the spectrum of all pain sensations available to me, and that was really important. I had to feel and allow it all in, and it all came rushing back, the pain I used to contract in order not to feel, resist against, or deny. I used to unknowingly squeeze different parts of my body, especially my hips, buttocks, knees, and lower back, Because it would numb the shooting pain temporarily, but in the long run, exacerbate the issue greatly because I was cutting off my chi, my vital life force energy, and blood flow and other vital nutrients required to heal and regenerate. Instead of staying in the role of victim to my pain, I became a curious onlooker. I witnessed and felt my pain with wonder. I began painting a picture of the spectrum of types of pain and how I responded to them. I finally allowed my pain to be, not be wrong, not be something I have to get rid of, just be a part of me. And at the beginning, it was fucking excruciating. I mean, if someone gently poked me in the arm out of jest, it would actually hurt Mostly I would go, ow, and they'd be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know I poked you that hard. And I'm like, you didn't. (laughs) So imagine compressing my fascia willingly. I believe this may be the point where people throw in the towel and say, fuck that. That hurts too much. I'm not doing that. And they give up. I've met some people like that who I've introduced to this fascia work. But it's not until I actually sit with them and we do a session together and I introduce it to them slowly (laughs) in a way that their body can handle it and teach them to take it slow and breathe, that they actually can feel what's going on. And then over time, they work their way fully into the techniques. But with me, I just went full speed ahead. (laughs) And I didn't have a choice not to do it. Well, at least I didn't see that I had a choice. The pain I experienced not doing fascia release was worse. And I was in such a state, I would do just about anything, even if it caused more pain temporarily, which it absolutely did. And what really helped me shift into facing my pain through these fascia techniques, rather than avoiding it, was an experience I had a few years earlier with pain management But first, let me tell you all about how I managed pain before this experience. It wasn't pleasant. When I was in pain, I mostly kept it to myself, probably because nobody really knew what this prism was like for me. When I shared it, it most of the time fell on deaf ears and I felt like I didn't really receive the empathy and compassion that I actually needed, even though I spoke to people who really loved and cared for me. After many years of working with orthodox practitioners and specialists getting every scan and test I can think of, I was put into the weird basket of mysterious chronic pain. I was offered cortisone shots and after just one, which actually really numbed me, (laughs) I realized that wasn't a path that ended well. So my only option was to put up with it and use painkillers if I really needed them. And I did so at times very sparingly. I think I could count on one hand, literally that many times it would be for like special occasions when I was dressed, hair and makeup done. I'm already in high heels, which really hurt, (laughs) but I wanted to look good. (laughs) I'm in my room ready to go, but I'm also stressed and wiping away tears carefully, trying not to ruin my makeup as I was banging my knee or hip in frustration to stop hurting because the pain was so relentless and I didn't want it to ruin the special occasion. So in these times, I took painkillers but knew I could never turn this into a regular habit and I'm so thankful that I didn't. But then I found more healthy ways. The more transformational inner work I did, the more progress I made. But the pain did always come back. And all I could seemingly do in those situations was manage the pain. But if someone had suggested seeking professional help with pain management, my reaction was to envision slapping them across the face hard, just purely out of anger. How fucking dare you? It's not in my head. My pain levels are so high. How the fuck could a little meditation and mindfulness help my pain? Besides, I meditate nearly every day. Hello, still in pain over here. I refuse to accept a life where I manage my pain because that means living with it. For me, it was no pain or no life. Oh, goodness. (laughs) It's confronting to uncover these unconscious thoughts down the track. But I just want to point out here, something that I mentioned in an earlier episode about making friends with my pain When I said, I just don't want to be in pain anymore, underneath that, I can now hear what was really being said. I just don't want to live anymore. Because to live is to experience pain. To experience pain is to live. It's a part of the human journey, and resisting it is a very challenging existence. No wonder I was resisting life. I was resisting Pain. But anyway, one day after many years of feeling this way, my Insight Timer app finally paid off. I stumbled across a short course on pain management and decided to give it a go. I had run out of options and was forced to be more open to things that I had previously disregarded. What I received from this course was I can handle any sort of pain for just 10 seconds. And that practice was to breathe through the pain, to feel it, to allow it for just 10 seconds. And when those 10 seconds are up, start the clock again. Doing this for the first time for five minutes or so showed me that those five minutes were much better than any other five minutes previously where I was resisting my pain. And I really got it. I can't resist this anymore. I have to find a way to be with my pain. I'm not sure that was the point of the course, (laughs) but a seed was planted deep in my awareness to be harvested for another day. Fast forward three years and I found myself on the mat watching, listening along to my now friend Alicia Celeste from the Kinetics Academy demonstrating how to shear fascial adhesions. It was so painful for me. But I knew I could handle anything for 10 seconds as long as I stayed present and kept breathing. And this is what I did. I stayed with the pain for 10 seconds and another and another until I reached 30 seconds and moved on to the next part of my body. And the initial phase of excruciating pain didn't last long. Thank goodness. (laughs) Maybe just a couple of weeks of daily sessions. And then I relaxed into the practice. I found my groove, discovered how I could shear my adhesions more effectively, and I started to look forward to getting on the mat. Not only did the pain decrease, but I began feeling energized, healthy, definitely more mobile and vital because I woke something inside of me that ignited the flow of blood, energy, oxygen, nutrients, and waste removal. I literally broke my own drought as trickles of water, blood and energy became gushing streams. I didn't mean to. I just wanted a life beyond pain and to feel free in my body. But along with practicing foundational health every day, which I covered in my last episode, I got my energy and health back as a wonderful surprise. I actually began foundational health and this form of kinetic self-release within a couple of months of each other. And they were a perfect recipe. As the months rolled by, so many benefits became clear to me. I loved that I didn't need a practitioner to help me manage my pain. I didn't need to wait a week for the next session. I didn't even need to pay anybody. <laughs> I could treat myself anytime as I needed for free. And after years of giving my money, time, energy, power and authority over to medical and holistic practitioners... It was so empowering, like <laughs> so friggin' empowering. And I got better lasting results doing what I was doing. To this day, there's no body worker that I have gone to see that can even come close to making my body feel better than I can. How fucking cool is that? <laughs> and that's to this day. Who knows? I'm open to anything changing. One thing I will mention is that there is a mild exception to that rule is that when someone helps me realign like an osteopath from crookedness and damn, that feels really good, but it's only for a day or two, it doesn't last as my body reclaims its conditioned state. But this particular form of fascia release keeps improving my situation over time, guiding me back to my natural state and posture and increasing my water content so I fall back into how I'm naturally meant to be. Although I seeked other avenues outside of this technique, as I said, I went to practice the art of movement, I was doing foundational health, this was the major change in my pain. This is what helped me heal and regenerate my body. This is what opened up my flow and what helped hydrate my cells and get things moving. Most importantly for me, it's what helped hydrate my fascial adhesions that were pulling on my nerves, bones and muscles, causing severe chronic pain. Within five weeks of working on my fascia, nearly every day, four hours sometimes, I was virtually chronic pain-free. I had a few flare-ups of sciatica over the next six months that lasted about a fortnight and was soon gone again. I began bushwalking and noticed that I had no pain. I walked as far as I wanted on the beach and still no pain. I started jogging on and off when taking my dog for a walk and no pain. (laughs) Now the jogging was an amazing achievement. I don't actually jog, I just jog for like 200 meters at a time. (laughs) I just like to get my heart rate up, but to not have pain is just incredible. But the biggest test was still to come. My partner and I were planning to go down south for a family holiday, but it was the year that Christmas was canceled And upon discovering the news at very late notice, we decided to pivot in a different direction and use our holiday time to travel into outback Queensland to the Carnarvon Gorge. It was a simple decision. I was scanning national parks on my maps that had really high reviews and stumbled across this place, having no idea of its profound beauty. Out of impulse, I'd already booked before I checked the walking tracks. And when I did, I found there was only one way into the gorge and the same way out. Hmm, Makes sense as it's a very long gorge, (laughs) which meant the more we wanted to see, the further we had to walk every day. I'm so glad I booked this trip at last minute out of a surprise because I may have decided to go sometime down the track after training for months on end to prepare my body. But that is not what I needed. I needed a breakthrough, a shock to my system to change my beliefs about my body and particularly my beliefs about how walking causes pain. Now at this stage, I'd done no more than a four kilometer walk and I did plenty of fascia work before and after these walks to ensure that I kept myself pain free. So the thought of walking 10 kilometers just to get to a beautiful part of the park and then have to walk all the way back was a little nerve wracking. But I have to admit, exciting because now I could see how far I'd really come. This was the true test. Maybe I could create a whole new story that I can bushwalk for hours at a time and enjoy it thoroughly without pain or having to turn back. For four days straight, we walked in and out of the gorge with numerous rock beds and river crossings that really gave our ankles and knees a workout, walking over stones, We had to drive to and from the base of the walk each day. And when we returned to the campsite, I seemed to go through the same routine. I'd get out of the car very slowly, wincing at how tight and sore I was. I'd be a little hunched over, waddling a little bit like a duck all the way to the showers where I would immerse myself in hot therapy. Then I'd get out and grab my mat and sit down for an epic session of about 90 minutes, sometimes more, I'd shear all the fascia on my body (laughs) as much as I could do and I would get up feeling like I had a brand new body all over again, ready to do the same thing the next day. Honestly, like nothing had even happened, especially because it would energize me after walking for so long and then getting my energy back was something I'd never felt before. One day, we walked 23 kilometers, and in total, well over 60 kilometers in the time that we were there. I was blown away. I hadn't been able to get this far on foot since my early 20s, and when I got home, I realized that I'd retrained my body to have a new, positive, joyous experience with walking. My muscle memory had changed, my fascia had changed, and I no longer feared what might happen if I went for a long hike. In hindsight, the state of my fascia improved so greatly and with such a short space of time that I realized I never really had a chronic pain problem. I had a fascia problem (laughs) all this time. (laughs) As you can see, I'm sure I would have liked to have found this out earlier, but I'm so glad I found it out. I could have gone the rest of my life living this way, which is really why I'm here today. (laughs) I mean, How on earth can I go through all these experiences and keep it all to myself? I've told all my friends I'm like a broken record. I've told some of my family. I just cannot stop talking about how good this fascia release is. Some people come and see me for sessions for seemingly unrelated things like getting to the heart of their original intention for being here Unleashing their genius and many other things that I do. <laughs> but some of those people also then come to me for fascia work because I tell everybody about it. Like I just, I have to. So it's why I'm here today. And if you're wondering about the state of your fascia, let me paint a picture of what healthy and unhealthy fascia is, to the best of my knowledge, of course, because this is based on my personal experience and what I've learned from a few different sources over the last couple of years or so. Starting with healthy fascia, what does it look and feel like? From what I can gather, you will have natural, healthy posture and a beautiful physical demeanor. When someone just looks great, when they stand, move, glide, sit, relax, dance, they actually just look really comfortable, especially when they move. They're not like, you know, wincing and making groaning noises. And they seem energised rather than stressed or immobile, slumped or tired. And by the way, when I'm talking about posture, I mean posture that's naturally forming, not by you correcting yourself and creating seemingly positive conditioned behaviours. I will talk about that later in this season. Now, the next thing with healthy fascia you have mobility. Your muscles move freely and glide against organs and other muscles smoothly, giving you range of motion and doing this without causing you damage or pain. Wherever you want to flail your arms, you can, however you want to dance, you are free to without restriction. It's also about getting into positions that you could when you were young And certainly being able to get down and up from the floor. That's a really important one. If you're unable to get down on the floor and up again, well, that is a sign of unhealthy fascia. Another sign could be healthy circulation and digestion, although other things contribute to this as well. But healthy blood flow of essential nutrients, hydration and oxygen Needs not be restricted as it tries to move through your trillions of tubes in your body and and get where it needs to go. Another sign of healthy fascia could be your energy levels and having access to vital life force energy rather than feeling sluggish or fatigued because everything in your body is slowing down. Also, nerve communication, messages and sensations between the body and the brain are allowed to flow and move freely as required. Hugging. (laughs) A wee one to add to the list. But you know when someone feels really stringy and bony but it's not just because they don't have much weight on them, they just feel really tight when you hug them. I have been told many times that I feel very um, watery. (laughs) So you actually just become more like a water person and you move with more fluidity, like you are water and I don't really know what it's like to hug me, obviously, but apparently that's what it's like, according to some people. A great way to test your fascia. Now, I've been told this and tend to agree with, and that is healthy fascia shouldn't cause you pain, even when you're compressing it. And it's able to share the load as it absorbs shock throughout your body. So most people, when you compress their fascia, it's going to hurt. So there you go. And to me, healthy fascia feels like freedom, feeling young, comfortable in my body, agile, vital, energized, mobile, and free to move as I please and do all the activities I love without the physical limitation. And what does unhealthy fascia look like? Well, nearly everybody, (laughs) most of us. Well, at least if you're past the age of 30, you will likely have unhealthy fascia somewhere in your body through years of repetition, exposure to toxicity, muscle contraction, exercise and activities for movement, being in stationary positions, injuries, trauma, stress, diet and lifestyle, lack of deep sleep, basically all of your daily habits. This causes the loss of its natural elasticity and your fascia becomes shorter shorter tighter, denser, thickened, hardened and full of adhesions, making it difficult to move and glide with ease without pulling on your bones, muscles and nerves to do so. So moving kind of hurts (laughs) or sometimes you're just restricted. You may experience chronic or ongoing pain, a long time to heal from injuries, immobility, premature ageing, your choice of physical activities lessening as the years go by, or at least having to alter them to suit your limitations. It can even bring the skeleton out of natural alignment, and you may have conditions such as back pain, postural issues, arthritis, sciatica, frozen shoulder, shin splints, issues with the IT band, tennis elbow, numbness or a lack of dexterity of the fingers and hands, for example, fluid retention, inflammation, ongoing headaches, chronic fatigue, cellulite, poor circulation, digestive issues, along with many others which have been attributed to poor fascial health. Like me, you may be sore and tender to the touch, as the lymphatic system lives in the superficial layer of the fascia. So being this sensitive due to inflammation could be a sign that the flow of your lymphatic system is being restricted by your fascia which is also restricted. (laughs) Now that has huge implications on many symptoms, disease, and even cancer. You will know if your fascia is unhealthy because you may feel restricted in mobility more so as you age, chronically dehydrated no matter how much water you drink, fatigued more often than not, in pain more so as you age, tender to the touch, and anything but free in your body. And if you think you have a fascia problem, well, I would say the same thing that I said about me. It's actually a really great problem to have because fascia is an intelligent organ that wants to change as you change. It wants to regenerate and it mirrors and responds to you. It's literally shaped by you and you can change your fascia by changing your habits. You can heal, you can move beyond pain, You can enjoy and find comfort in your body. You can experience true freedom and do the activities that you really love. In the next episode, I'm streaming all about how to do this, as well as the esoteric side of fascia, which is possibly even more fascinating than what we covered today. So thanks for tuning in. I will meet you there. Wow. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you making the space in your life to tune into this episode of Streaming Wisdom. I trust you enjoyed it so much that you're about to share it with a loved one who may welcome this wisdom being sent their way. So you're aware, I'm not on social media at the time of this release. So if you wish to say hello, ask a question or browse my current offers, go to grailleadership.earth forward slash streamingwisdom. And the best way to stay in touch is to subscribe on my website where you can receive my seasonal email musings and a heads up when new episodes are released. If you have received greatly from Streaming Wisdom and feel an urge to give back, here are my most cherished ways of receiving your appreciation. One is to share an episode on social media or with a loved one. Another is to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and reviews are very welcomed. You can also make a financial contribution via the podcast page. Again, that's brailleleadership.earth forward slash streaming wisdom. However you contribute, know that it fills my heart and fuels more episodes of streaming wisdom thank you again wise one see you next time